Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. So happy you are here. My goal with this channel is to bring inspirational speakers to the mic in the field of yoga, massage, body work, and beyond. Follow us at Native Yoga and check us out at nativeyogacenter.com. All right, let's begin. Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. Today I have a special guest, Wendy Pasilico. Check her out on her website, liveyourjune.com, and also find her on her podcast, Journey to June. The links are below, super easy to find. Wendy is a student here at our yoga shala, and uh, she's a performance mindset coach. She is really full of life, lots of energy. She is an athlete and she shares the world of her athleticism and how she blends it into her personal coaching with people. And she has a lot to say and a lot of great insight. I enjoyed this conversation immensely and I can't wait to hear feedback from you as to what you think. Uh, she also has a workshop coming up, an actual retreat, a four-day retreat here in Jupiter, Florida, and her website is liveyourjune.com slash solstigator-retreat. So I'm going to have that link here as well if you would like to check it out. <clears throat> We'd love for you to come visit us here in Juno Beach, Florida. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Here we go. Wendy Basilico. I'm delighted to have the opportunity to have Wendy Pasilico here with me today on the podcast. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me. How has your day been so far? Oh, Todd. Well, I started with you, so that was perfect. Well, thank you. I know <laughs> I got to see you for awesome morning. I got to see you for my Sorashtanga class this morning. Yeah, and it's I kind of I so needed it because it's been a uh, I was away in Utah doing my own retreat for conscious leadership to reboot my own self. But um, so to come back after being away from your studio that I love to go in the mornings um, at 8am. Uh, so it's, it was nice. I need it. My body was like ready to be back. Well, yeah, it's so great to have you back. Thank you so much. And I do want to ask you quite a few questions about what your recent experience was like out in Utah. But before we go there, um, you have a website called liveyourjune.com. Can you, and you are a performance mindset coach. You also are a professional golfer, or do we need to say former professional golfer? Where does, what, how does that work? If you were a professional golfer, are you always a professional golfer or? You know, it's a funny thing because I still am associated with the LPGA, which is the Ladies Professional Golf Association. I'm a teacher through there, but my studies in LPGA was through coaching. So I was not into being this instructor on the range, although I did it for 10 years. Um, I was, my passion is to be a coach and observe. And there's so many dynamics more than just the swing that mm. make, that help a performance. So I'm still a LPGA and qualified or a class A, but I do it in a different way. And they've really honored that because I went a different route nice. than the typical instructor. Um, so I still say former, but I'm somehow intertwined in golf. Always. I do some work in the charity world as well with, um, Betsy King. It's called, uh, our foundation called golf for Africa. 
So we do work over in Zambia for clean water. Um, so somehow my foot still stays in the board. I mean, I even think of you like massage, yoga. We're all, we've all got different hats. And then <laughs> yes. how does it all combine and who are we? No. I don't know. Good. You know, there's a lot, lot to say. Well, who are you? Yeah. Good question. That's what we, <laughs> that is, that is the question that I love to help people stir because I don't think that conversation is had in our society. It's more like, what do you do? Mm. And we are more than what we do. And I'm passionate about exploring who I am, constantly unraveling the things that align with me and things that don't, or maybe it shifted. But that is, I think, uh, really where I, I like to put my passion into helping people have language and clarity around who they are at their best and when they come alive. Nice. Yeah. Do you still actually enter into golf tournaments? No, I do not. So I finished, my story's a little crazy. Do you, you want to go I down? I want to hear it. Now? I do. I want to hear so, it. So um, I was a athlete all my life and I played everything but golf. So I played lacrosse in college, division one, was captain at University of Vermont for two years. We were eighth in the nation. And when sports ended, I was kind of this, in my 20s, a lost soul. Uh, did everything great on paper, had my master's, taught in Harlem, emotionally disturbed kids. But sports was like missing in me. And then on a spring break, my dad had asked me, he was down in Florida, and he said, let's play golf. And they were big golfers, my parents. I'm one of six. And here I was like, sure, I'll play golf. I can play. I can hit a white ball standing still. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, I don't, I don't know if I even had clubs, like I borrowed my mom's clubs. And <laughs> there we were on the range and two guys, um, one on the range and one on the course were like, Joe, she's pretty good. And I was about 28 teaching mm. in Harlem. And I think it stirred my dad's brain to go, you want to give this a try? And I don't think he, I think he wanted me out of Harlem. Really, in reality, he never said that, but I took it to heart. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is my second chance to see what's still in me because I always had this, like I left so much talent on the table as an athlete mm. and I didn't have the coach that saw that talent in me. I kind of like had coaches that, um, you know, we, it's like we did good, but did they really push me? Mm. And um I don't know. I went down this road and I played for seven years. I lived in Arizona. I worked with uh, some of the top instructors by chance. Like I knew one person in this arena of playing at the high level of golf. And somehow uh, my journey in the golf world, not only uh, I met cool people that allowed me to see what I was capable of, but also like I learned literally so much about myself that I never learned prior to my thirties. Nice. Yeah. So Amazing. the golf, the golf, I didn't make it on tour. <laughs> I went through th three qualifying schools, but it taught me so much about, you know, my own being and how I operate and, um, and taught me grit and taught me, you know, sacrifice. Cause it's, you know, it's a lonely road when you're going after something that, your gut's telling you to do while everybody's doing getting married, having kids doing like what the norm is. And I was doing total opposite. Yeah. 
so the golf industry, the golf world has like, I'm blessed to have had the experience both as an instructor and player. Um, cause I've met some really incredible, um, athletes and humans and on the journey. That's cool. Golf is so challenging. I've never played and there's so many courses around here and people often say, how could you live in Palm Beach County and not be a golfer? So I thought, well, let me, you know, take that. I took it to heart. And so I, I, I took my son and we went to this little public course down by the Jupiter Inlet. And um, I was so humbled because it, I, I, I did not do well at all. So um, what an amazing sport. I know so many people that play say it has this like Zen like meditative element. Did you ever connect with that side of the golf when you were playing or what was your experience in relation to when I hear this idea about like the amount of stillness that's required, concentration, focus, it often seems like some of the qualities that also are inherent in yoga. Did you have some sort of Zen in the art of golf experience at any point? Yeah. Um, so it's funny when you take up a sport or you're, you're like, I got to catch up. I'm taking up late in the game. Most of yeah. the kids that I was playing with were just in college, out of college. And so here I was learning. It's not like I was totally cold. I swung a golf club, but I didn't know what I was doing. And there was such this intent to um, master the swing. You know, and I was working with Butch Harmon, like all technical, the best in the the best in the industry. Um, by fluke, I got luckily to be around them. Uh, but really, it's really about mastering yourself of how you operate. Mm. So when I there was a point through my seven years of playing, I met another cool instructors. There, um, they worked with Annika Sorenstein. Lynn Marriott and Pia Nielsen, they have a company called Vision 54. So their belief is you can shoot one less than par every hole of 18 holes. And that's possible. That's a possibility. No one's done it, but it's a possibility. Um, but their way of teaching was more Zen-like in um, finding what makes you peaceful, mm. knowing how you operate. Um we did a thing called heart math and we talked about that recently, you and I, uh, and I didn't get it cause I, I did yoga. I was doing, I thought I was being and heart math really at the time was new, but it was teaching you how to get in the zone, how to get out of your head and just be and allow the performance to come through you. And, um, you know, it was interesting. There were a lot of Asian players that worked with these girls and how quickly they could get in this, this meditative state mm. and how I really struggled. I would be in this red zone and I thought I was being, and it only learned it through actually, and we were doing some, just going into our practice this morning, but like after practice, Todd is bringing in his instruments <laughs> to bring music out. We had like a little band i don't know what do you call the piano that you... uh, harmonium harmonium. harmonium yeah so anyway i was saying how vibrational music and sound can really get us in a state and i actually had a friend who did a lot of chanting who was outside of golf and i got to kind of under like feel what that felt like to be in the zone and using heart math to feel what mm. that how i could re kind of get that feeling to be in the zone to make that putt 
when it mattered to, to be over the ball when I'm trying to get on the green to make a birdie and how I had to let go of the outcome mm. and only control what's in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that makes total sense, but to me that when I see really, um, you can see who's in the zone, especially in golf, it shows your true colors. Yeah. It shows yeah. Um, how you handle moments that don't go the way we think, how you, how you, if something, you maybe hit a bad shot and how your thought process and how you handle those moments, does it, do you accumulate the pressure going on to the next shot? Can you let go of that outcome that happened and move forward with just being in the present? Mm. Or are you thinking about the past or the future of, of making a cut or something? It's like yeah. you can see who's in the, in the moment and just going through it from a Zen-like state. That's cool. You know, I, I watch golf occasionally. My sister loves it. So whenever when I'm over there, she always has it on. I'm... um. But it's interesting. I, I, next time I watch it, I wanna. I'm gonna see if I can see what it is you're talking about. So you feel like if you watch a tournament and you're on TV, you're watching TV and you're watching a tournament, you can get a pretty good idea of the mind state of the person playing just by watching the way they're carrying themselves and walking and picking up the ball and waving at the crowd and how they're playing. You, you feel like you can beyond just the score. You feel like you can get a sense of how calm and relaxed and/or focused they are. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Um, yes, I can, I can actually go back to my own state, which I was not in there. Uh, but I can see on TV or I can see when I'm with someone else who's even an amateur and how they handle uh, moments. But like the pro-like, you can... You can, I mean, think of any sport, yeah. how yeah. some people can use it to their power mm. of, of, um, having external expression of a moment. I remember vividly, um, I mean, I didn't watch golf before, maybe even two years into golf. That's amazing that you just kind of golf. fell into it. It doesn't sound like, I, like you didn't I, I have this lifelong passion to play. You just went, Crazy. all right, I, I guess know. I'll try that. And then- but there was one time Tiger made a putt. I think it was the PGA National um, Championship, and maybe it was a par three, seventeenth hole. Again, people laugh at me because I don't know exactly everything. Uh, but I remember vividly watching, and it was a it was a d- huge double breaker. It was had to be like a forty fifty foot foot putt. And here, this guy, I mean, you see it going. The crowd's going wild, and it trickles in, and he's like. And you could have expression positive or negative, right? Yeah. But he's pumping and like, and then you watch. I literally am getting chills right now. And you watch this guy just get back to center. Hmm. 
And I don't think every, this is a practice yeah. because one, it's a practice of who you are and how you operate and what allows you to get like in that moment and then back. Mm. Like um, watch uh, Djokovic, like incredible. You can see the people allow the people lose their, um, their presence and the spiral of reacting about the things that they have no control over. And the thing you learn is like, and I do it even just our daily routine. It's like, what do we have control over and what do we don't? And that allows us to center in the presence. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just, I, so knowing what I know yeah. now at 52 and be like, oh, can I just go back and see what oh, I, I could do? You know, it's just amazing. Oh, I know. If you could, if you could blend the wisdom of age back into the sport that you're involved in at that young uh, age where there's that immaturity and lack of uh, self reflection yeah. and observation, I hear you. Well, maybe, maybe we will get a chance to do that. Maybe that's, you know, we're on this, we're in this life now and maybe the next life gives us a chance to, to <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Who knows? Who yeah, knows? I know. Yeah. That's cool. So can you tell me, I mean, this sounds relatively obvious and what it could mean, but maybe you can help me define this better. So one of the titles that you like to use that explains what you do is a performance mindset coach. I, that sounds self-explanatory. You, you help coach people with their performance mindset. Can you give, can you add a little bit to that though? Can you explain sure. a little more about what it is and, and maybe some of the approaches that you take in different settings? Yeah. Um, my belief in order to perform and have a mindset that allows us to experience what's possible beyond what we imagine. Um, it starts with your ethos. It starts with who you are. It starts with um, getting clear with the things that make you come alive. Um, your character, um, your values, your personal philosophy. If you can, when I work with clients, when I work with groups, that is the first thing. Because only, I don't have anybody's answers to have the best mindset. Like we, anybody who coaches is not like a bad thing. It's like, yeah, you can go through science of what, but also you have to connect to who you are. You have to connect to what's speaking to you. Mm. And this goes back to also the presence. Like you have to have a, a real good relationship or a study of who you are. So then how then we can start working on the science of mindset and how that aligns with you, if that makes sense. It does. So self-talk, my self-talk might be different than your self-talk. So we can have this, like, this is self-talk, but I have to know what's happening in my own being, my own thoughts process that isn't aligned with who I want to be. So, we can make a list, but until you're in tune with that and start to like um, have a relationship with those, those things. Like when I wake up and go to your yoga, I'm like, I am, this feeds my soul. And it, it, and even when I don't have it, I'm like, Oh, I need more of it. And I, and I, today I'm like my body, my mind, my soul is yearning for that. Hmm. I was not like that when I was in my 
thirties or twenties or even before that. I didn't, I was just going, doing what I thought I could do. And maybe I was a little bit like that, but I wasn't intentional and reflecting on how to weed out the things that don't serve me and the things that serve me. So that's really what I do with my clients is that ethos is everything. And then it stems from not only, it's not only your thoughts and mindset of, of gaining confidence and resilience and all that stuff. It's also your physicality. We work on physicality, our voice. I mean, if you saw me in my 20s and in grade school, I was like this shy little closed. And here I was super athlete, but I so was like not expressing who I was. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then the other thing is connection. We are, there is, we are invisible. There's an invisible web, I call it. We are connected in so many ways. And just because I don't connect with someone doesn't mean they're not good people. Yes. And I'm really a believer in this. And I think there's so, it's not black and white, but our connections, how we interact with others affect people. Yes. And I'm watching it with my daughter in school. And so all of these stem from your ethos. So your ethos is everything. And then it's physicality. This is like our framework, but physicality, moxie, or you could call it grit your connection. And then it comes down to what we just talked about presence of being like really getting that inner wisdom when we can connect, when we start to like understand, start to study oneself. Very cool. I know that you're offering a um, retreat here in the Jupiter, Florida area in November and I'm curious, what is some of the ideas that you'll implement in relation to, say, if I were to participate and what, what kind of activities are you going to uh, take me through to try to help me realize some of the ideas that you just conveyed? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is it's hard if you work with me just on Zoom one hour because mm. then we're back into our world. So my passion, it's our first retreat, but like I've worked with a ton of groups and it's really shutting off the world so you can listen, so you can start to get, so the whole retreat is all about really starting to connect with yourself first. And that's how come, how we can be more fulfilled as a human, but also like how we can be better leaders as a business owner, uh, maybe you have a team, maybe you have a family, maybe you have a partner, maybe you have children and you're creating uh, the the relationship is a little struggling. The first thing we have to do is look in. It's easy to look out. That's easy. But when we can take four days and connect to nature and kind of ask questions, we start to get the answers that serve us. Yes. Like you, as whoever's listening, you yes. individually, like I do not have people's answers. I just hold the space to stir what's inside of you that's calling for you. Nice. And yeah. And that's what that retreat will be. We're going to use um, nature, the beautiful environment that's around Jupiter, but on top of it, doing exploration, connecting to others, like-minded community. Like we need a safe community to, um, to be vulnerable and connect to the things that like, it's hard to say, I want, I want to feel more fulfilled. So instead people keep it down and then, you know, we act like everything's fine, but inside we feel either 
stuck or overwhelmed and it's all normal like you're doing a good i feel like everybody wants to do good yeah it's like let's just shut off the world and like reconnect yes. and that's what that retreat's about and i'm like so excited about it oh that's really cool i was so happy to hear that you're going to be doing it right here in jupiter because Tamara and i are always thinking where can we lead a retreat you know we'll think like let's go somewhere far far away to some exotic location and uh we just recently were like we should do a retreat right here because it's so beautiful so i'm so excited that you're going to be uh that you you took that idea and you're you're making it happen in november that's so cool and the link for that is in the notes below. So everyone, if you're interested, you can check it out. Can you tell me a little bit as well? You have a podcast yourself called Live Your June. And it's actually called Journey to June. Journey to June. I'm so sorry. Okay. Where, okay. But your, no, your website is, what is your website name? I know. It's confusing. <laughs> you you want me to explain what it's all like? I, that I, I need, his, I, I need all the puzzle. Yeah, I need all the pieces of the puzzle to fit right now for me. So you're, okay. tell me first, uh, why June? So my, my company is called Live Your June. Uh-huh. And my podcast is called Journey to June. Cool. And our belief is we all are here and we all are unique. We're born a certain way. Um, we have a uniqueness. We have a gift to to bring to the world. And I believe it's our responsibility to live into that. Um, but I also believe there are imprints that have been put on me or everybody, um, whether it's like this computer, who, who the heck made this computer for me to be able to have this podcast with you, mm. the Zoom. Um, and I think there's, but in a bigger scale, like people that really have made their mark on me. My father who passed 20 years ago, his name was Joe Jr. He was a pain in the butt in a lot of ways, but he pushed me to challenge myself. Yeah. Um, so his name was Joe Jr. I take so much of what he taught me into who I am and push and believe he's like right here guiding me. And then now I have my daughter who I had on my own at 40. Her name's Josie June after my father. So how our imprints affect future genera generations matter. So embracing your uniqueness allows for you to make the boldest unique imprint for future generations so we can shift this world in a way that matters. And yes. that's, that's what Live Your June's about. Very cool. Yeah. So we, in the podcast, we interview people that walk the heart, harder path that maybe chosen or not have um, really gone not the traditional way and lived towards the thing that was speaking to them, even though it was hard or even though it was people thought they were nuts. Um, and I interview people like Betsy King, Hall of Famer, 32 of 32 wins on the LPGA. She now does this charity. Um, I interviewed you like all your travels and I still want you on my podcast because there's so <laughs> much there. Our journeys are there to teach us. And I don't know if we do enough exploring how far we've come. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It, there's something there that sometimes like, Oh, we just did that. No, the, you did a lot. And if yeah. you acknowledge that, it's like you have more power in you to walk towards a bigger vision yes. of what's possible. Yes. So um, that's what we interview. We interview all walks. Uh, I mean, Josie was just on, my daughter was on the, uh, on the podcast yesterday. Oh, we I can't wait to hear that. I can't he wait to interviewed hear me. Oh, nice. On how I, <clears throat> I saw middle school. That's a great. And she wanted to know what I thought. So. Wait, wait, wait. She, your daughter, 
interviewed you asking you questions about what your what you see her school as? No, she interviewed me to say what was my experience in middle school. Oh, in middle. Whoa, what a great idea! Well, and what then, was your experience? You know, in middle we had school? a conversation about what she <laughs> yeah. experienced, but but like she came up with the questions. We were on driving to do the podcast, and we had a whole other idea. That's so fun! And then all of a sudden, she's like, "I want to interview you." That's so fun! You gave me a great yeah. idea. I got to pull my kids in. Yeah, that'd be really revealing, actually, to have your own child interview you. Right. What a, yeah. what an interesting idea. Where did you come up with that idea? That was your own idea or did you see someone else did that? No, that was Josie. That's like so we were cool. kind of, she's been yeah. on my podcast before, but uh-huh. I interviewed her yeah, about a certain topic. That's but cool. this, she's like, I want to literally, she's like, got out of the podcast. She's like, that was fun, mom. Uh, that was, so to see her really come up with the questions, she, she led it. And then really found, and the other thing I like, I asked her like, what could I improve as a mom? And cause I'm also coaching her volleyball oh. and she authentically like expressed like, Hey, you know, you could do this a little better. You're a little aggressive when you clap. <laughs> like, uh. I'm, I come passionate. She's like, you know, you scare people, you scare people. <laughs> that but, is I mean, so that's, cool. That's really what is important for us to have open conversation to understand and have other people heard. Oh man. So, I, I know. I love it. I love it too. Um, it, that's cool. And I'm going to have the link to your podcast show in the notes. So anyone that wants to go listen to that episode, what number is that one with Josie? I want to, I want to listen to that. Oh, it's actually coming out next Tuesday. All so right. it's not out yet, Cool. but you'll hear it. Uh, so it should be like pi- episode 33. 33. So. Cool. Yay. Very cool. And let's put on yours like so people can hear your conversation. With I us. will. I'll have that there yeah. too. I know I really enjoyed the fact. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to bring me on. That was so fun. That's why I want to reciprocate the uh, generosity and uh, and get to learn more about you because often we just see each other in the quick setting of a class. It's like you unroll your mat and then we have a few seconds to talk here or there. So I'm, I'm happy to get to, to learn more about you here. I'm curious in relation to what you were saying about like – making an imprint in terms of the generational aspect and what are some realizations that you've had lately in the realm of where you are fitting in that whole generational role? Like, cause you're sandwiched in between your parents and your daughter. And at some point, obviously we'll take that grandparent role maybe if we're lucky enough. And then you know, we're going to be some, it kind of shifts. What have you noticed from being daughter to mom and having a daughter? What, what sort of realizations do you have? One, it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, You know, I think I come from, I'm one of six. My, my, uh, I have 18 nieces and nephews. Wow. I was a late bloomer. Like I said, I had my daughter on my own. I didn't find my partner uh, at the time, and I just wasn't willing to not uh, have a child. So I went down that IVF road, and at age 41, I had Josie. Mm. Um, And I really believe I manifested because my doctor definitely was not – he was wanting me to use an egg donor, and I was like, no. Like, I haven't even tried yet. Um, so I am blessed. I, I look at parenting in a, like my mom was so you want, come on, get married. You got to have kids. And now I have such a, um, appreciation 
and I don't even, I only have one and I just have appreciation for being a parent and putting the time in to how you nurture these souls. And I also, I also believe like they're here to teach me, you know, what, what the biggest thing is I learn more probably from her than she learned from me because mm. she sees it with such fresh eyes life. She's really, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think we have a lot to learn from young people. Understood. I agree. And I think that um, if we're open and hear and be curious to ask questions, um, the kids that sometimes might be hard to reach or sh- show a rougher side to them, if you come to them with more curiosity with, I don't want to say expectations, but boundaries that they can't walk all over you, they really want to be hurt. Yeah. And I've seen this through volleyball. I've seen like, I've seen this in Josie's friends. Like they just want a voice. And I, I think, and I, that's, what's coming up for me, yeah. not only a parent, yeah. but yeah. like as my leadership of live your June, it's like, it's big, it's a bigger responsibility not only to make your imprint, but like your inner work matters for these children. Yeah. Good point. Our world. Yes. They are our next leaders and how we show up, we have to have a different relationship of just like, Oh, I want to be happy. It's like, no, like we've got to do this work, go yes. to yoga, yes. do the journaling, um, find time for yourself to center who you are so you can, whether you have children or not, like, so you can just impact the people around you in a positive way. And nice. I think that's what I'm seeing is like, it's, it's a bigger than it's making your imprint, but like having, we have a responsibility. Yes. Like your people did sacrifice for us to be here. My father, whatever, way back. If you really look at the imprints that have made in our history, from everything. I even said, Josie, like who made this pencil? Like if we really look at all these things that have allowed us to have the privileges Mm. that we have, Mm. you have a different responsibility of how you show up on a daily basis for yourself and for others. Good point. Good point. What is, we, we mentioned like your first response when I asked you a question about parenting, you said, Oh, it's challenging. What part of parenting comes really easy and natural for you. So natural would be not doing the norm. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the natural is to not do the norm. Like you mean like Mm -hmm. say. Like he's curious. Like don't follow. You know, I, I struggle. It's, I can see how everybody just fits in. And maybe it's my experience of my own in school that I struggled with finding my own confidence because we're taught to fit in. Mm. And I, I think it sounds like I'm saying it's easy, which is not the norm. <laughs> Going against the norm is not easy. But being exploring what's good for my daughter, what's speaking to my daughter, not what I think she wants or what everybody else is doing. Um, and I'm, I think that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. is it revelish? No, yeah. but it's like really listening to what 
and and pushing her a little bit. There's like like a balance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not all like, oh, anything you want. How do I put, you know, push her to challenge to see what's possible, but also listen to her of what's speaking to her. Yeah. Do do you feel like your clap, your loud clap that bothers her comes from your dad? Because you said your dad, like you you made a statement like, my dad was hard, but I also really was amazing and he pushed me. Do you feel like, Uh, do you ever ever see yourself doing things that that is your dad that you that you're like, you, that you struggle with sometimes of like, oh gosh, I really am like him. Do I want to be like him? Maybe I should embrace the fact that I'm like him. Cause sometimes I feel like there's this like 50, 50 element with our parents where we might be like, I really want, I, I want to be like them. They're an incredible role model. They were, they are and were an incredible role model. And then there's certain elements and I'm like, oh, don't let me turn out like that. Like if, if you see, like I'll say to Tamara, I'm like, if I start doing what they did over here, don't let me do that. You know, do you, do you have that same sort of feeling? Yeah. I, I think it's, again, it goes back to <laughs> really listening to the things. And this goes back to the imprint. Like, yeah, my dad was hard, but there was so many, he was generous. He worked his tail off. He had, he, he like, he held everybody up well, he forgot to hold him up himself mm. at dying at 63 with from oh, a heart attack. Yeah. He, you know, um, so there's so many blessings, but then there's things like, I wish he communicated more. I wish he, he, because his own journey, he didn't do his own inner work. Yeah. He loved us, but didn't show it as much as I wished. Yeah. Um, but I knew he loved me. Yeah. Um, and, I did a lot of inner work to reconnect to him right before he died. And I will say this to your listeners, like, yeah, yeah, I could cry right now. Like, um, (laughs) it's all right. You can, I know. I I don't (laughs) know why all of a sudden I started feeling emotional too. (laughs) No, but like when I was playing golf, I, like I said, I did a lot of sacrificing because I was away from my whole entire family. And they're like, you know, he had a life that he created and I would miss like family trips or uh, things and he would just want me home, which is great. But then my my inner soul was like, go after this dream. I something's pulling me towards this. But we so when we would go away on vacation, we had um just like probably once a year, pretty hard fights. You know, he probably thought something, I thought something, and like so one trip we were in Whistler skiing with the family and I left and we had a I don't know why, like we had a fight and I was really working on reading and exploring. I think I was 32 at the time. And I thought I was being, and I was like, we had this fight. I left, I go back to Arizona. He's going back to New York and we didn't talk. And that's not like me for like a month. And I was, it took me 10 letters to write Hmm. a non, I didn't project like you did this to me. I just was like, I'm doing my best. I know you're doing your best. And we need to learn from this. We can't hold grudges. And I wrote it for Valentine's Day. And I wrote a quote around this. And he picked up the phone. He said, all he could say was thanks. I mean, yeah. I told him he's the best dad, whatever. Yeah. He just said thanks. Yeah. That's all. No, I love you. Nothing. Yeah. I did a landmark forum. So that was February. Mm. I did mm. landmark forum in September. If anybody's listening, it's a it's a cool program, but I really learned what, what my responsibility is in the story and what's his, um, and what's my story behind it. Like what meaning am I making by Mm -hmm. him? I mean, going home and him not talking to me or whatever, Yeah. not taking in the side of how busy he is 
And I own my story and called him up and said, Hey, and he's not an easy person. He wasn't an easy person to talk to. And I called him and said, Hey, um, you know, crying, like, I want to do better. I want us to be a better relationship. And I'm sorry for putting these, this like assumption that you don't care because yeah. I know you do. Yeah. And he was like, don't cry. Don't cry. Like, I love you. That was three months before he died. And oh. I said everything I could yeah. say to him. And this is why I share the story. Yeah. Like, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. And if, if there's a way you can reach out to someone that maybe inside is saying to own something you've done or, or just reach out and say, I love you, like do it. Like life's too short. And I just was one of the lucky ones out of my family that happened to have this like intimate breakthrough with my dad, but I can't imagine if I didn't. Wow. When you conversed with your siblings post his passing, it became evident to you that that was, that's what happened, that you were able to have that sort of conversation and that they, they felt like they wish they were able to have done that. I don't think they expressed that, but I know (laughs) that he was saying, I love you. And I, he was saying, um, like just intimate conversations that we didn't have prior. And when he died a month later in his you know, those leather briefcases that dads used to carry yes. with the lock. Yes. In the lock <laughs> was the letter I wrote him. Oh, man. So he cared. Some people just don't, like, yeah. don't know how. Yeah. And sometimes we yeah. have to be the bigger one and and, tr- and try to open up. And, and I. this is why I do this work, because I feel like people – have this yearning to do things and they wait and they expect different things. And listen, I'm not perfect, but I, I, I try to own, if I do something like not great with Josie, like, Hey, I'm human. We're human. And if we came across that way, we might be able to open up relationships that maybe just needed a little more love. Great point. I mean, we're in this position where we have our family, our extended family, and then we have our, either colleagues, coworkers, students that we, maybe we go to school with, you know, we have these people around us that aren't our family and there is, it feels kind of divisive right now, but, but, but not always. I feel a lot of harmony and unity with a lot of the people I get a chance to see every day and talk with every day. So I I don't want to just like zero in on the divisiveness because that's just like, there's also a lot of harmony and unity, but I do think that I could get better at healing and helping relationships that um, maybe went a little awry. And I like that suggestion that you had about you. You it sounds like you, you said it took like eleven or twelve or thirteen letters before you were able to convey your emotion and feeling to your dad that that wasn't where you were projecting anger. That's a real skill, don't you think? Isn't that sometimes hard to do? Like when we try to make amends in a situation and and um, what is some of the strategy? Can you explain some of that strategy behind how we can speak where we don't blame and we actually listen at the same time that we're expressing our emotions and feelings? Yeah, I mean, number one, like own feel the feeling. Like I don't think it's like you have feelings, if they're coming up like you're sad or frustrated, but more write, journal those feelings. Mm. And then how else could you see it? Like, I think asking good questions around 
what else could this mean? Um, it gives us a different angle to look at um, because we we really don't know what someone else is experiencing. Um, I say this to Josie all the time, like, how, you know, look at the old, look at the other side of things and see. And I also think I, I do this, it's a practice, but I call um, a mentor of mine once said cup, like compassion, understanding, and patience. And sometimes people, um, there's just certain people that need a little of that. And, you know, if we can come from that place, it opens up a door without having to be so right and wrong, black and white. It's not, life isn't like that. Yes. Um, we're all, you know, trying to experience life in the best we can and some have more tools or, or, and maybe you are the one that has to open the door, you know, and Great. see it in a different light. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, it's interesting because when you, when I saw you this morning, you said, that you would just return from the Utah area that you had an opportunity to go to the Sundance Film Festival, but also um, partake in a workshop. Can you explain a little bit what the title of the workshop was and who facilitated it? Yeah, uh, it's a dear friend of mine, Jennifer Maholan, um, and our partner, Jeff. Um, they have a company called Plenty. Uh, they do corporate conscious, uh, conscious corporate leadership. Uh, so I really just wanted to take, I love her and what she shares in the world. Um, and I've done a retreat with her before. So this is like the second level. So anybody returning already knows their language and how they operate, but they really, again, similar to what I'm doing at my retreat, um, they use nature and space to allow what's coming up. And, um, their, their way of doing, yes, they have an agenda, but it's, it's a, allowing the moment to take uh, form instead of a push of this is how it is. Yeah. Um, and what came up for me personally in the leadership retreat was it's always about exploring myself. And we had, we came up with a word or whatever was speaking to us in the beginning of it. And one was for me, it was like a meditation we were doing and it came up as light. And I, at first it came up and I don't know why it came up as like light, like I'm a light. And when I shine my light, I can see other people's light. And through unraveling the nature, we were in Sundance, this beautiful area that Robert Redford had, uh, has savored in the mountains and in the end it's like i need to be light i need to um find grace and less push all my life i've been the athlete push create this business find my my own footing in the world and like i don't have to always push mm. i can come lighter in the world and still do good work. And so that is my practice right now. I feel like I got out of that retreat. It's just when I want to push or be right or yeah. whatever, come mm -hmm. from a more gracious, softer way of coming through to people or myself. 
Yeah, I, I can see exactly what you're saying. That seems like a continuous challenge, doesn't it? Like, because it seems like if I just work harder and I just push harder, I will be better. I will achieve more. Bing, happiness and success. And it's not that simple. And so to just exist and be and not worry that if I just be, how is anything going to get done? How will anything manifest? How will I have enough to be able to keep everything going? So it's like this, I, I feel this, I, I can uh, attest to exactly what you're saying. This like constantly searching that balance of just existing and being. And then, but at the same time, I mean, I think the effort part actually is fun. Like I do enjoy working. I, I really do enjoy trying harder. Like, you know what I mean? I, I do enjoy when I'm like, gosh, how am I going to make this work this month? Oh man, maybe I need to get creative and come up with a new, I got to come up with a new class or I got to come up with a new idea. Cause one thing I find that like something will work for just long enough, but then the world is changing and shifting so quickly that I can't just rely on just coming up with one good idea and just working off that idea forever. So it's like, seems like it requires constant push. It requires, but I love that you're bringing attention to the fact of like, what if I just were to shine a light, like just actually be, not push, and if somehow that could take over. Does that sound kind of similar to what you're- Yeah, and I so, I so re- resonate with everything you're saying. Uh, right. <laughs> we're taught to push. We're yeah. taught to, we're, com- you know, like our whole society is like, you know, be successful, push, like, what are you going to be next? And I, it's a dance. It really is a dance to have a new relationship with what push means to mm. you. Mm. Like, I think I, that's what you said. It's yeah. like, I actually enjoy working hard and finding creative ways to like find a new way of looking at it and creating new content or whatever you're doing. Um, but there's a dance. Because if we do only the push, because as an athlete, I have, I have to challenge myself to see, to create the push past the barrier of what I think is possible. But then there's the dance of like, it's not always the push because the universe, like look at a child, like how they learn to walk. I mean, yeah. watch a child. <laughs> they they walk towards what they're meant to do. My daughter, I want to be her athlete. She, she is an athlete, but she, her passion singing. Yeah. If I, there's no, it, there's a dance. There's like knowing when to like a little bit like, okay, it's time to push. And then it's like knowing when to pull back and like feed the soul. And I think it's not one way or the other. It's like, there's a, there's a flow in the, in all of it. And it's again, goes back to like, what is, how do you flow in the dance of the push and the being and you know, I don't know if I'm making sense. You are. You're making perfect. You're making perfect sense. And I'm not. I, I, then I'm curious because you did mention that you can watch someone play golf and have some type of idea or understanding of like where their ability to focus and then pump their arms and be excited, but also come right back into the zone. And so you've had an opportunity to. Um, physically come into our studio here and you've been able to watch me teach. Can you share a little insight on where am I, where am I pushing too hard 
And is there a place where I could soften a little bit and just be more myself? Like, and, and I don't expect you to like have some really deep, profound insight, but I am curious because if you have that sort of observational skills and you can be really honest with me, like I, I promise I won't be offended if you've, if you've um, observed something where you it's think. It's so funny. Uh, what I observe is, you know, not that I fought yoga. I love yoga, but like I was the athlete. So I was always in the gym. I was always in the gym and I have some injuries and yoga speaks to me right now. And I never, it's like going to a good massage person, uh, going to a good coach. It's, it's like you to me, when I come into your, your space, it's, you're so, uh, I actually love your approach. I love, you have your eyes on everybody in the Mysore, because that's mostly what I do in the morning um, at your studio, but you're gentle and you're open to so many different um, levels of yoga. I mean, even this morning, you had a new person who had back injury, like you were, you were um, nurturing her where she was at. And I think in, in life, in yoga, in coaching, life coaching, it's like there's no one it, in golf. There's no one perfect swing. There's no one perfect yoga move. It's like, where are you and how can we nurture you where you're at? And I think you, you are a master at meeting people where they're at and your energy is so approachable yet you have fun in the class like there you have a great dance in there i mean there's a there's a thank reason you, why people show up well thank you so much i i guess i, I, I guess I, I guess i was looking for like i wanted you to, I, I, I wanted I, you to I, pick i wanted you to pick on, me apart <laughs> critique critique I, yeah um, i want honest feedback and then maybe there isn't and maybe but if down the no, road I there mean, is i do want i would like i do appreciate I'm no, I'm, I'm being to, honest. I would love to give you more critique. I have to think <laughs> about it because I think uh, you're the first <laughs> yoga instructor or yogi that I don't feel the push from. Mm. Mm. I, the, the first yoga studio where I feel so welcome at the level I'm at where I don't have to, sometimes I come like today, I was taking my time and then the next day I want to learn. And you, again, I, I really think you and your team, I haven't met you, I met your wife once, but have nurture people in that space. Um, and I think you bring in myself different, you get bring in different avenues. Um, God, it's such a weird, That's to me, cool. I, I, I don't, I don't really have a critique right well, now, thank but you. I will think about thank it. You, thank you. I, it's funny. Cause I, as you were saying that, I was kind of like, well, what could, what would, what would I have done recently that she would have been pissed about? <laughs> and I feel like we, it's been pretty, the vibes have been so amazing in the room. I love nurturing people. Like I absolutely love it. It's so fun to, to like find out where people are at and start to like investigate what, what can you do? Where's your, how are your wrists? Okay. That hurts. Let's figure out how we can do it where you doesn't hurt a lot, but it hurts a little, but you're right. There's so many different elements going on. Like sometimes I think too, when people are brand new, like just let them do their thing and don't be up in their face the whole time. 
You know what I mean? Like, because if you're like, it's your first time coming in, if I'm just like, come on, Wendy, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Come on, stop. You got to do this. Now, that you're going to be like, whoa, you got to like back off, dude. But I think, um, yeah, it's so amazing. So thank you for bringing all that stuff up. And I appreciate all the really kind compliments. And, and, and can I say one thing? Yes, um, to me, it's a parallel of what I do. It's like you're investigating where they are physically to um, hold space, to create a practice that fits them. And I'm doing the same, like yeah, in a different yeah, way. Yeah. And it's investigating, helping them nurture what's already speaking to them. Yeah. And yes, I'm teaching, but it's it, again, it's a dance. And how much, how much joy does it bring you? How much joy does it bring you? <laughs> um, you know, the biggest challenge to me in the stuff I do is number one, if you haven't done the work, you, it's hard to like, um, to can you just, you don't have an experience. Mm. So, you know, life coaching, sometimes I gets a bad rap. Like, you know, I'm not, I don't have a strategy for you. I will help you find one. I have tons of experts around me. I have my own framework to help you nurture your own strategy. But again, it's not one size fits all. And what I find joy with is when someone actually is all in, in the journey mm. of discovery. Yes. It's like, same with me. Like, I feel like I'm, yeah, I have a week that I took off with you, but I'm so invested in wanting to be all in, in your world. Um, and that's what, those are the type of clients I'm looking for that they will do. They're just, they will do whatever it takes to find out their own answers and the ones that stay in it. Like I have a client that just was on my podcast four years, maybe five. She went through her mother died unexpectedly during COVID. Um, she's gone through a divorce, all her kids. She's an empty nester. She's moved to Denver. I mean, you can't do that in the last, in three years, you can't make all those changes mm. and feel really solid in who you are. If you haven't done the work, because you're kind of constantly struggle and wish things were different and, you know, maybe be in the victim mode. And she is so solid in who she is because she's done the work and had a safe community to, to work through the moments. And I mean, I think that's what, when I find the joy, it's when I see someone that is putting the work in and I will give everything I have like you do but you got to do the work. It doesn't happen by just showing up for a, yeah, a, yeah. a, a zoom call once a week. And yeah, then yeah. You know, I have my own coach. Yeah. I, I work literally over an hour a day just to work through my own thinking and, and journaling. And, and it's, it's a practice. It's, yeah. it's not like this work is not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not, it's like, you really want in like, okay, let's see what, what, what's, what you're capable of. That, what what's speaking to you, but you can't find those answers just by showing up once in a blue moon. Yeah. Good point. How did so, the word that you coined solstigator, what was uh, the light bulb moment where that word came into your like frame? Oh, great question. Uh, so again, it's that push and pull it's, it's um, we've got to constantly instigate who we are meant to be although we are born a certain way, but somewhere life maybe took us in a direction maybe that doesn't align with us anymore. And 
you have to create the questions, the curiosity, the discipline to explore like what you're capable of being. And I believe it comes, it's not just the push. It's not just a thinking thing. It's, it's all of us. It's our mind, body, and soul and instigating who you're born to be. It's already in us. Our answers are in us. If you, if you create the space to allow it to rise. And that is, I believe our mission here is to live into the best version of who we were born to be. And it's constantly evolving. Yes. Life happens. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, Wendy. What a great, uh, so happy that we did this because I've been wanting to to get this opportunity. And I'm sorry it took me so long to to make this moment happen. But I feel like it's this is the perfect timing. And I'm really excited to help uh, promote and encourage and be a part of your workshop in November in whichever way I can help. And hopefully this podcast uh, discussion will just help introduce you and our listeners to you and uh, just kind of continue to, to build what, what, what we're excited about. Um, you know, I, in the, in the attempt to move in the direction of closing our conversation together, and I, I hope that I can have you back again and we can continue our conversation. Um, is there anything else that you feel is important for the world to embrace in this modern day? <laughs> yeah, it's a, all I know is, you know, <laughs> Uh, where, where do we say, even start like, there? But yeah, right, life, is, life is hard sometimes. And yes, it is. we can't do it. I will say this. We can each one of us needs a community needs, needs support. We, you can't do it alone. Whether it's me, whether it's Todd, find someone that speaks to you and work, um, on finding the things that's, that make you come alive because the world, if we all come from that place of, of feeling ignited, feeling the spark, um, we show up differently for other people. We show up differently for ourselves. And if you are, I also think if you are stuck, it's also about giving back, find a way to give it. it it's um, it feeds our soul. It teaches us about other people it's not always comes from always about oneself. It's also, we need to look out who, who we can even just a smile. Um, how can I help you? It, it, we, if we can come from that and also do the inner work, we can have a, um, just help the world see things differently. Yes. Well said. So, Yeah. Thank you. I just love this conversation. I I want to have gratitude to you for holding space for me at your studio and for holding space for this, this uh, message I have and what's to come. And so I just feel like we have such a, a, uh, I don't know, alignment of, I know. I I agree with you, Wendy. It's been so great having a chance to get to know you and to learn more about you here in this opportunity to have a whole hour just to sit and chat Thank you, everybody, for listening. I have all the links that we mentioned throughout the conversation in the description below. Remember to check Wendy out at your website, Living Your June, and on her podcast, Journey to June. Did I get it right? Did did. I, I get it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> 
Way to go. And um, <clears throat> cool. Thank you, Wendy. I can't wait to uh, just see what happens. Like, let's just chat, put it out in the world and see what happens. <laughs> That's it. Like light. Right. Light. Right. Light. That's right. Because <laughs> we just existed. We didn't push too hard. We had to think a little bit. Like, don't you feel like when you do podcasts, your brain has to turn a little like there's this little process too. like, as you were saying that I had a thought where, you know, like, so one of my, one of my thought processes while I'm doing a conversation or a podcast or an interview is like, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm kind of trying to think in my mind, okay, what's my next question. But you know, if I get ahead of myself in that process, you might say a little bit more to where by the time I throw that idea, out, it's already behind the eight ball. Right. So it's like such a momentary thing. Like you have to be so present. So I, I know. Then I was thinking, well, if I said to her right now, let's try to just exist and not do anything. Like we're not going to try right now. We probably would land at silence. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, we probably would land in silence. And I know in a podcast, it's like, I'm not really tuning in to just listen to silence, but I know, I know probably you listening actually enjoy silence because you wouldn't be listening if you didn't. I'm having just a, a guess, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like there's an element where if we were to just be on a podcast, we probably would drop down into some sort of meditative state where we'd be going to, in a contemplative or so. Um, did, what, what do you think when I say that? Do any thoughts pop in your head when I said that? Because I feel like we're, you know, we're on Zoom. I live down the road, but we're on Zoom. Yeah, no, I wanted you to do Zoom. So I say that. What resonates with me is like, because we're connect. Like, if I do a meditation by myself, Mm. or I'm sitting by myself in silence, Mm. something will pop up. But because I'm also connected to you to be in silence, it'd be we're connected by Zoom. But I feel so connected to you as a human, Mm. and to have the silence together, holding space together. And not saying anything, I I wonder what would come up with with the intention of like we're here to serve your community on this podcast and have a moment of silence. Let's try it. Kind of cool. Yeah, let's actually. Try it. All right. So, yeah, we're like at the hour and three minute mark. Cool. So we'll just take like a minute. Mm. What if I just didn't say anything? We just stopped the whole recording. <laughs> There'd be no sound effects to <laughs> people would be just listening with their headphones on and be like, wait, is it over? <laughs> no, you're going to hear, you're going to hear the closing music here in just a second. Wendy, thank you so much. Let's do it again. Definitely. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Native Yoga Toddcast is produced by myself. The theme music is dreamed up by Bryce Allen. If you like this show, let me know. 
If there's room for improvement, I want to hear that too. We are curious to know what you think and what you want more of, what I can improve. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics, please send us your thoughts to info at Native Yoga Center. You can find us at nativeyogacenter.com. And hey, if you did like this episode, share it with your friends, rate it and review and join us next time.